This is the How Design Live podcast, hosted by programming partner Elise Bennett, national speaker, author of seven business books for creative professionals, and founder of marketing-mentor.com. Listen to her lively conversations with past and future How Design Live speakers about the business of creativity and creativity in business. Here's Elise Bennett. I've been getting a lot of questions from creative freelancers lately about Instagram. They want to know what to post, how to network on Instagram, and what's up with all those hashtags, among other questions. That's why I invited Puno Puno, an Instagram expert and influencer, to kick off the creative freelancer track at How Design Live in May in Chicago. So if you haven't got your ticket yet, it's not too late. In fact, you can get 10% off with my promo code, which is MENTOR10, when you register at HowDesignLive.com. Anyway, I had a chance to chat with Puno about her sessions at How. She's actually giving three. And then our conversation took a turn into the realm of curiosity. And we spent a lot of time talking about questions which is one of my favorite topics of conversation. We talked about how to ask the right questions and why it's especially important to ask questions when you are afraid to look stupid. I'm speaking from personal experience. So listen and learn, and then join us in Chicago in May. Hello, Puno. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to speak with you. So let's start with Puno or Puno Puno. Tell me your name and why it is your name. (laughs) Yes, it is Puno first name, Puno last name. So Puno Puno, because I, my first name legally originally was Jennifer and I was born in 1984 and apparently Everybody was named Jennifer at that time because all my friends in elementary school were named Jennifer. So we all went by our last names. I had just gone by my last name since then and never really identified with Jennifer or Jenny or Jen. Yeah, you just don't seem like a Jennifer to me. Yeah, right? Me too. I felt that way too all my life. (laughs) Excellent. I just decided to legally change it. It wasn't that big of a deal. I kind of postponed it and it's not really that big of a deal to do it. All right. Well, I'll call you Puno. Okay, cool. (laughs) And I'm excited because you are going to be speaking at How Design Live next month. It's right around the corner. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about what you're going to be speaking on and then talk about everything else that you're doing because you've got a lot on your plate from what I can tell. So just a little, just give us a little bit about the Spark session that you're doing, how to make friends with strangers. And you're also opening the Creative Freelancer Track both on Thursday, May 9th with mm-hmm. Instagram for freelancers. So just tell us a little bit about both of those things. Oh, and I'm also doing the Squarespace workshop. Awesome. Yeah, so lots of things. Spark is, it's it's going to be about talking with strangers. So like networking? Networking. I love talking with strangers. I actually, one of my friends told me that's my hidden talent. And I feel like, There's ways that you can do it, that it doesn't have to feel so awkward. And you're in this conference where you're surrounded by like 2000 other like-minded people 
And it's such a great time to network, but it's like, how do you do that? And what's a better way to do that? So I've devised a few exercises and I have a way in which we can signal with each other that we're like, hey, I'm okay to talk to you, stranger. <laughs> so Sometimes I feel like people just need permission to talk exactly. to strangers. Ex- Did you talk to Amy? Did she tell you anything? No. no. Okay. No, well. that's my experience when I teach people how to network. It's like, I'll just tell them, go ahead and talk to strangers. Everyone can talk to strangers. And then people are much more, their defenses are down. They're much more open. Yeah. And, and so if there's a way that you can signal to each other, then mm-hmm. at least we've got that going and we can move forward with that. But Excellent. there's just so much. I mean, especially if you're a freelancer these days, like most of my freelance work always came from referrals, even if they were, you know, people who did the same exact thing as me. And there's just so much, so much that can happen if you really start creating those relationships and you already paid for the ticket. So you might as well really make the most of it, you know? Absolutely. In fact, I have one client who went last year and when she came back, she said, I didn't talk to anyone. And I was like, how can that be? It's (gasps) impossible. So we're working on that for this year, but you know, it is possible. And so I love that that's what you're going to be teaching people. And it's like, I, I always, because people always ask me, I, um, I did Squarespace freelancing to bootstrap my two businesses mm-hmm. and, um, people always ask, well, how did you get your clients? And I tell everyone, I'm like, it's not like there's a Squarespace freelancing. Well, maybe now there is, but back then two years ago, there wasn't. So I went to events and I literally like duck my hand out and I'd be like, hi, I'm Puno. I make Squarespace websites. And I did that and got, I I, I don't remember the percentage, but I think it was like 60% of my clients came Mm -hmm. from just me going to events. That does not surprise me. Yeah. And it's just such a great way for everybody needs a website. So (laughs) if you just go to a place where people are and um, at least meet more people, you're just going to increase your chances of getting work. Excellent. And so Um, you're going to be doing a workshop on how to do Squarespace websites also. Right. Yes. Because um, it's one of those things, especially for graphic designers and people who are a little bit more technical where they feel like, well, anybody can figure this out, but there's a lot of people out there that don't want to spend the time to do it and will pay other people to make websites for them. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about like how I made like a, a comparable salary just doing Squarespace websites. And then also about how you don't really have to know too much code. You just really need to know some CSS but you can really manipulate a template and not have it look like a Squarespace template. That's usually the biggest fear for most people. So we're going to talk about that. And then then... Instagram. (laughs) Yes. Talk to us about Instagram because I'm not a designer. So, and I, I do have an Instagram account, but I use it for my dog. It's my dog's account. And that's just what I do. But I know that a lot of designers who are looking for people who value and appreciate uh, visuals are using Instagram for their main social media. So talk to us about a little bit about Instagram. Yeah. I'm, I'm also with you. I have an Instagram for my cat 
So, <laughs> and it's and it's actually popping off right now. I'm not gonna lie. She mm. got um she got regrammed by uh, Chill Wildlife. Anyways, <laughs> what does it mean? It it it's just like she Chill Wildlife is like a um a meme animal account where it's uh-huh. just like a bunch of cute animals. But she got like sixteen thousand likes. Oh my god! On that photo, <laughs> um, but. It actually, to be completely honest with you, uh, my cat's Instagram account has been helping me get gigs. So mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's all just a big, I like to call Instagram the biggest conference ever where you don't have to wear pants mm-hmm. because it literally is that. It's just, you know, you do have to put a little bit of work in. And I think a lot of people feel like Instagram is is mostly for bloggers or influencers or, you know, uh, not necessarily creative people or graphic designers, but there's a lot of ways that you can use it. That doesn't necessarily mean you're just there to grow your followers. There's a lot of really cool ways to network and find people. And I, I actually, my husband and I, um, make this app called people map. It's a web app, so you can't find it on the, um, store, but, Basically, it helps you find like-minded people. And I'm going to show how you can find, because there's like billions of people on Instagram. So um, it's hard to sift through that and it's hard to find the right people. And I want to talk through that, talk about a little bit about the algorithm and how to best use it. Because I think a lot of people think about the algorithm in such a negative way and there's, it's, you know, it's really there to help you if you just kind of figure out how to use it in the best way. Um, and then really, I really want to talk about how to build content for yourself and not necessarily like how, like what type of content to do, but to kind of talk about like how to find yourself, because that's what I did is that when I first got on Instagram, I had 13 followers and I had just quit my job. And I, one, I didn't know how to use Instagram, but also I needed to make new friends and find out who I really was because I had just quit this full-time job. And I was like, who am I now? And it really helped me find that. And I, I want to talk about that and let people in, like just look at Instagram in another lens and um, be very real about like my experience on there. And um, hopefully that will inspire people to look at it in a different way and a more optimistic way. That sounds great. And, you know, it fits perfectly into the theme of the Creative Freelancer track, which is all about content marketing. It's like advanced content marketing for people who already know who they're targeting and who they're looking for and just want to take it up to the next level. So I feel like this will fit nicely into that. Awesome. Yay. So let's talk a little bit about freelancing, because I know that you have on your YouTube channel, you do vlogs about it. And I was watching a few of them. And one of the things I heard you say, which really rang true for me, and I wanted you to explain a little bit at one point, and I hope you remember saying this, you said, you've got to be a detective. And I use that metaphor of being a business detective when I try to teach people how to get the information they need to do the content marketing that they want to do. So I'm curious, what do you mean when you say you've got to be a detective? Oh, I'm, I think in that situation, I was trying to figure out like what the client wants. Was that the... I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel like people... 
or at least, uh, at least myself. When I was a junior designer, I didn't ask as many questions as I do now. Like I ask way more questions. I ask questions in different ways. I ask questions from different angles. I ask questions about lots of things, but every question that I ask is strategic. It's not just there to ask questions. So what I mean by that is I find that sometimes freelancers will send brands like 20 questions about their brand, but they end up not really using any of those questions. And a detective asks questions that are very strategic and thoughtful and um, will lead them to the next answer. And so I, I like when whenever I'm bringing on a new client or I'm trying to understand where they're coming from, all the questions that I ask are very thoughtful, but I do ask more than I have before because I want, it's just like, it's, it's the best way for you to get your noggin going and figure out the solutions to everything uh, or to the problem that you're trying to mm-hmm. solve. It seems like people are afraid to ask questions sometimes, like as if asking a question means you're stupid or you don't know something that you should know, which I just see as a huge obstacle to people getting the information they need. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. I, I always think it's, it's weird if someone doesn't ask questions. Mm-hmm. We just actually hired someone to help us do some video editing. And the one thing we both said was she asked all the right questions. And I don't want it to mean like, it's just that she knew the kinds of questions that she was asking. One showed that she was being thoughtful about it. It wasn't like just a question for a question, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I like there's, she's thinking about like what problem she's trying to solve and the questions are going to lead her to that answer. And it's, and I think the reason why we resonated with it is because we were like, oh, these are the types of questions that I would have if I were in her position. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, everybody has questions and it's part of the process. And when I've been asked, I've been in business 30 years, self-employed. And when I've been asked, you know, what, what would you do differently? What mistakes did you make? It's always all those questions I neglected to ask and therefore didn't do as good a job as I could have because I didn't have all the information, but I was really afraid to look stupid. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, and I wonder, it, like, I try to also answer a lot of questions that might come up later too. Can you give an example? So for example, in my contract, I highlight specific things that have come up previous, like in previous clients that might be confusing or might be a surprise to some clients. For example, like I charge for email communication and phone calls. And sometimes clients are like, what? (laughs) So I just make sure that I highlight every single one of those things that have ever come up in my previous work. And, um, that's helped a lot to just like be more preemptive about what types of questions you might come across in the future. And I had another client recently who put a lot of time and effort into a big proposal and didn't get it. Someone else was chosen and she wanted to know if she could ask why they didn't choose her and who they did choose. What do you do in that situation? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't see why not. 
if they say no, then there's your answer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think sometimes people are afraid also of, I don't know, being perceived a certain way, being perceived as too needy or too desperate or too pushy or, I don't know, I think sometimes questions can make people think, you know, other people are going to see them a certain way. And I like to say questions are the answer to everything. I heard someone at a How conference actually a couple of years ago say that, and it's just become my mantra. Yeah. You know, and I also think it, it depends on how you ask the question. Mm-hmm. Um, so one exercise that I do all the time is before I send out an email, before I just anything, before I write anything, I kind of ask myself, how would I ask a friend this? And I think if you just are as transparent as possible about your intentions Mm -hmm. and about like where you're coming from and kind of set the stage and set the tone and, you know, you're coming really from, you're just like, I just want to know. Then, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I I, I think like people are going to feel like, oh yeah, we're just, that's, that's totally Mm -hmm. cool. If that's where you're, if you're feeling like, I don't want to be perceived as X, well then, you know, just say that up front. Mm-hmm. Like, why mm-hmm. not? You know, cause you, if that's your biggest fear of saying it, then just say, here's what, you know, I'm thinking. And the other thing too, and this, this is like, ugh, this is, I work with my husband. So this is one of the biggest tips ever. If you ever work with your significant other, um, is never make assumptions about what other people think. because it's just, you're never going to be right unless you're a psychic, (laughs) you know, you really aren't going to know what someone else is thinking. So it's better to just ask. And like with my husband, I always ask him, I never assume no matter how long we're going to be together. I just never, I'm going to assume I know exactly what he's thinking. Mm -hmm. Because people are constantly changing anyway. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I can't even answer questions (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) We just have a few more minutes, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, dealing with bad clients when you really need the work, because I think that when people, and sometimes this happens when they're networking, uh, they go out networking because they need projects, they need, you know, to fill the pipeline for May or June, but they don't want to come across the wrong way. And they come across people who like have red flags, are waving red flags about bad clients. What are some of the red flags for you and how do you handle it? So I have a client form on my website and I really think about like how that person answers my form. Some people are really like they go off on that form and it's like, whoa, this person, this client is going to have a lot of ideas and I'm basically going to have to sift through all these ideas for that client, um, which, which a lot of, a lot of junior designers, I feel like would be scared about that because they'll feel like I I'm not going to be able to give this person what they want because they have so many ideas, Mm -hmm. but really your position is I'm going to sift through your ideas and pick out the best one to be executed within this budget and this timeline. Mm Mm-hmm. The other red flag is kind of about personality and that one's a little tough. And I feel like as I continue to 
work with new clients, I figure out new ways to not make it so tense. So one of the big things for me used to be, oh man, this client is being a jerk and isn't, (laughs) and is just being really rude about feedback. And, um, I worked with this other freelancer once and I watched him as he talked to the client and just was just so positive and just really like killed him with kindness Mm -hmm. and optimism. Mm -hmm. And it really turned around that client Mm -hmm. and made that client trust them. And so it was great. There's some people that I'm like willing to do that for. And there's some times where I'm in a place where I don't want to do that extra work. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, and you know, you can have as many red flags as you want, but really at the end of the day, it's up to you to understand yourself and your tolerance or how much you're willing to, to really exercise that client management and that humanness about yourself. Cause that's just something that like, I guess like before I used to think, oh, that's a red flag client, but really that's just another human being. And I hear a thread underneath almost everything that you're saying really that I think about as having a self-employed mentality where you are the one in control, a business owner's mentality, as opposed to maybe a freelancer's mentality where the client is in charge telling you what they want and your job is to execute as opposed to, as you're saying, all right, let me see how or whether I want to handle this person and what's the best response to them and how can I help them deal with all those ideas that they're probably overwhelmed with anyway and just take control of the situation. I I sense that in you and I just really feel like that is so important if you're going to have a successful any kind of business. Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. It is, it's not, yeah, you're not thinking of it as so transactional, I guess. Mm -hmm. You're really thinking of it as a relationship and everything can be approached differently. And that's that detective Mm -hmm. part. It never has to be the same. And you are part of that, you know, like you are part of the equation and every action you do is part of it too. And the more you can figure it out and the more you can get a positive output out of it, the better it is for your business period and for you and for your happiness. Because the last thing that I ever want to do is resent freelance because at the end of the day, like you said, it's my, it was all my decisions. It's my life. It's my job. Like there's nobody to blame at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just that self-awareness, I think yeah. that you've cultivated as well is just knowing that about yourself. Yeah. And that takes time. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that seems like a perfect place to put the bookmark. And I can't wait to meet you in person in Chicago next month. And thank you so much for sharing some time and your ideas with me here today. And we're going to get this podcast up as soon as we possibly can so people can hear it. So give the people a, a URL or more, if you like, of where they can find information about you. On Instagram, Puno Dos Tres, or... um website www.punodostrace.com and that'll lead you down a rabbit hole. And Punodostrace, let me just spell it P-U-N-O-D-O-S-T-R-E-S meaning two, three. <laughs> like Puno Dos Tres. Got it. Interesting. <laughs> I, see, I didn't get that until you said it. Okay, good. 
<laughs> yeah, people think that DAW stress is my last day. Hi, that's like, what I yeah. thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, great. that's great. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Puno, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you.